appreciators, we are back with another episode. That's right. You thought we were gonna be gone, and we're not. You thought we oh, don't. They think. can't. They can't do it two weeks in a row. <laughs> no possible way. And well, guess what? You know what? I, I might have been doubting us too. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little surprised that we made it, but hey, we're here. Hey, dude. Whatever it takes. So I, I think the best way to start this episode is um, to explain. Where I got the idea for this topic we're talking about today. Okay. And if I, you're if you're sitting there like, what's the topic? We'll read the, the episode title. Yeah, and you'll know. And you'll know. I, I feel like this topic has probably been germinating for a while mm. in your mind. Mm. And, germinating. And, and my mind. I had told you about an idea that I had uh, a while back for a video, but like then nothing came of it. It yeah, had nope. something it had to do with it. had nothing to do with your idea. It's all my idea. No, no, no. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> No, this is all my idea. It's not the same thing, but it, it was about action movies. Yeah. Uh, so, but I'm sorry, you, I interrupted. Go ahead. No, I copied your homework, but I changed a couple of the answers. So <laughs> the teacher wouldn't know we were, you know, copying up. That's each not other. what I was doing. Okay. Uh, uh, go on. No, uh, no, you're exactly right. Um, so I went to see Black Panther Wakanda Forever oh. or Black Panther 2. Right, right. And, you know, I thought it was good. It was very good. It was uh-huh. good. I can't reiterate enough that it was good. I can't reiterate. I can't. I can't tell you how how good it was. Just good it was. It was S O L I D solidly good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but before the movie, there was a little trailer for a movie called John Wick Four. <laughs> and yeah, I just I just remember. Yeah, baby. And for as good of for as good as Wakanda Forever turned out to be. Uh-huh. I feel like it was unfair to the movie for John Wick for the trailer to appear before it because I'm just sitting I know there the going, exact feeling you're talking like, about. Oh my gosh. Like I just feel like every single John Wick movie, they up like the cinematography, the way everything's framed, the visual aesthetic, their use of colors. Like, yeah. like I just was like drooling with how beautiful this film looked. Yeah. I watched Black Panther and for a Marvel movie, and I don't want to get too deep into a rabbit hole of like the visual style of Marvel movies. Be careful. But like for a Marvel movie, it look, Ryan Cooler is a great director, but yes. you can feel how much the Marvel um, pattern holds him back. The heavy use of green screens and whatnot. Sure. And it was sure. very well directed. The action was well framed and uh, well edited. Like Ryan Coogler's great, but I'm just sitting there like there's not it, it has that kind of very bland copy and paste color aesthetic as all the other Marvel movies. Sure. Um there's just so much bogging it down in other ways that I there's start, a there's a very distinct visual style yeah. that they have. Yeah. And like you can only you can only inject your own visual style so far into the Marvel pattern. Is what I'm trying to say. Right. And I started thinking about other action franchises like John Wick, Mission Impossible, and mm. even like Fast and Furious. Uh-huh. And I started thinking, well, if Marvel is not the best action franchise, in my opinion, what is? And that is what we are talking about today. Yes, it is. I didn't know you were going to take it in the Marvel direction, but you did. Oh, I got And you that there. is what we're talking about. Yeah. So... It is framed under the title of what is the best modern action franchise, but really the discussion is other action franchises in comparison to Marvel, because I think financially and culturally, Marvel is the dominant action franchise. Oh, yeah. 
but I don't think in terms of quality, it's the best. Yeah. And I'm a month into, I'm a month closer to my wedding and uh, Anna's probably now having second thoughts after hearing me say that. Yeah, probably so. So you're going to have a fight on your hands. Yeah, I know. She doesn't listen. It's okay. <laughs> we 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 made that very clear like a like a week ago. Yeah. We were referencing. We finally told our wives that we um we referenced them a that lot. we reference them all the time, and they had no idea that we talk about them yeah. whatsoever. So they'll probably never hear this anyway. But no, I um I think that that's a very interesting thought, and uh, it's kind of difficult to view Marvel as an action franchise sometimes without. Yeah without being specific about like the characters that they're using Mm -hmm. like are you talking about marvel as a whole are you talking about like a specific like the black panther movies or the avenger movies it is a little hard because marvel is in one sense an action franchise but it's more than that right but if you really think about it what marvel movie isn't categorized as an action movie sure so I think in a sense, it, it does count as an action franchise, like a modern action franchise, though it is more than that. It's, you know, superhero, it's comic based, you know? Yeah. But I just thought like, these are the action movies everyone is showing up to. And while Mission Impossible, John Wick are successful, no one's rolling out to those movies in the, to the same degree that they are showing up to anything with the Marvel logo. Right. Yeah. So that that's kind of what I'm talking about. So... That's true. So in your opinion, Evan, yes. what is the best modern action franchise? Top Gun. <laughs> I guess technically that counts now. I guess that counts now. No, I uh, I just wanted to have a quick answer. Um, I would say... I would say... Oh, man. Like, uh. like, maybe we should throw them all out there. There's Mission Impossible. There's John Wick. There's Fast and the Furious. Which um, say what you will about Fast and Furious, but there are some good movies. Yeah, in they that have franchise. some. They have some really good directors who have like very distinct, singular style and vision. There are some good ones, and there are some not so good ones. Yeah. Um. What else? There's uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> I mean, I thought you were gonna push back on playing this. loosely with modern, but you know, I mean, there is a oh, new one coming right, out. You're right. You're right. There is a new one coming out. So yeah, yeah, it could That's be modern. True. That's true. Um. Uh, the mate. Tricks? Is that too old? That might be a little too old. Okay, we'll we'll keep that off the list. Um, that transcends. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I mean, of that list, off the top of my head, I have to go Mission Impossible. I mean, whenever you consider like everything that Tom Cruise does in those movies, how they've been able to uh, work the characters in and out of each film, how they've been able to like change the story up but keep it. Like keep it fresh and keep the audience kind of mm-hmm. engaged and pulled in. Um, I feel like off the top of my head, I have to go Mission Impossible because I just feel like that has the the most movies, right? Of like high caliber in my mind. But can we include the Daniel Craig 007? Films? I was I was just about to say, I think the Daniel Craig Bond movies count. Yeah, I would say I would even throw in though. I probably wouldn't mention it, but I, I think Jason Bourne fits in that modern franchise because sure. there was a sequel within the last like five, ten years, I think. Yeah, and that is very much a, uh, I mean, that's very much a uh, franchise now. I mean, they've, yeah, you know, they've, they've I mean, taken it 
pretty the most pretty recent far. ones haven't been very good but you could count terminator films that yeah have been two in like the last 10 years that's true um i googled the help my brain come sure. up with some ideas i googled in a jurassic park came up oh i guess that counts i would jurassic put that yeah Ooh. action adventure action adventure yeah, yeah of course kind of um a ton of marvel movies showed up in the google search but also king kong i guess yeah Kong, uh, Godzilla Kong, those yeah. movies. Yeah, the Godzilla Kong universe, yeah. I think for sure. Transformers, I think, would be included in that. Do, 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 do. They even, Star Trek? I oh. mean, among other things, it is action. Especially you know especially what? the modern ones are very action-based. The new Star Trek trilogy, I rewatched that last year, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And, man, what great, like movies to watch around like yeah. this time of year like when you're with your family like holiday movie like like you know how there's always yeah. these movies that come out around the holidays that are like big blockbusters mm-hmm. and it they just very much have that like blockbustery like action adventure fun like easy to watch yes they're so easy to watch yes. and that's what you need at that time of year exactly yep and yeah they're just fun movies they're just a stinking blast you got a whole bunch of ham sitting in your gut <laughs> yeah your eyes are glazing i want to watch chris pine yeah just do some really like strange kung fu on people <laughs> yeah yeah uh, actually his kung fu wasn't nearly as strange yeah. as the original star and trek here's the kung thing. fu D- the the key to the modern star trek movies is if you go in expecting action movie first yeah you'll, you'll be rewarded more because yeah. they do in terms of like um, how smart they are, how introspective they are, um, like the science fiction parts of it compared to the originals, they're inferior. Yeah. Because that's not their ultimate goal. They, it was rebooted with the sense of like, we're going to put butts in seats. Yeah. And so as action movies, I'd say the first one, the first reboot, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one, it's what you said. It's it's easy to watch. You put it on. Here's the it's deal. Not great. The third one, surprisingly good. Here's the deal, though. The cast is so good. The cast is fantastic. That it's like literally, you could just, like, just on the just on the cast alone. I would go and I just if they had most of the cast mm-hmm. from the original reboot, I would go see that. Yeah. Like it doesn't like the cast was so stinking good. Like they could carry. Yeah. Almost anything. Okay, so you said Mission Impossible. I would agree that if you're just talking, what's the best? Well, the Daniel Craig 007 thing has me second guessing. Now, here's here's why I would say Mission Impossible is better is because I think the hit rate is way higher across the board. Like you go all the way back to the first Mission Impossible in the 90s. There's really only, in my opinion, one movie you could categorize as bad, and that's the second one. And that's not really even bad. It's just very different. And it's a lot of fun. I I have such distinct memories of Mission Impossible 2 in my head from like whenever I was a kid. I don't know when that came out, but I was at a very, like my brain must have just been very malleable. And like the images of him climbing, like rock climbing and like the leather jacket and like the motorcycles, it's like burned into my memory as the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like as a kid. So, but I do agree with you fully that like the second mission impossible is definitely one of the weakest, if not the weakest. Yeah. But I think that there are some very cool images that I yeah. have in my, in my brain from yeah. that. Now, 
to play devil's advocate, if I just pull two Daniel Craig Bond movies, Casino Royale. And, oh, man. Yeah. And um, oh, uh, what's his third one? Um, Why am I blinking? Uh, not Spectre. The one before Spectre. Skyfall. Skyfall. I was like, yeah. it's an S title. If you take Casino Royale and uh, Skyfall, those two movies are probably as good, if not better than any other action movie we could talk about. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, um, but there's just, there's also, I'm a Spectre, sucker, um, quantum of solace, which really kind of brings both brings, like, it, brings, it, brings it all down a yeah. little bit, but I was a, I was, I am a sucker for no time to die. I know we both are. We talked about I, it on this very podcast. I love that movie, dude. That was so good. Yeah. I loved it. It belongs uh, in the discussion. The Craig Bond movies belong in the discussion. They definitely belong in the discussion, but you know what else? If it doesn't belong in the discussion, it will, mm. is the Knives Out series. I, I don't know if I would call that action. You don't think so? You think thriller, like mystery thriller? It's, more, it's way more mystery thriller. I mean, like, are there any fights? I mean, it's adventurous. I, mean, I think I think someone gets stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and one of the... It's starting to sound like you haven't seen the first one. You think someone gets stabbed? It's called Knives Out. Yeah. Well, one of the stabbings <laughs> was a fake out. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what right. I mean? But, uh... uh there's no. no action in those. Yeah, it's you're right. It's more and I, it's more I, mystery thriller. You could count the modern Star Wars movies, but I mean Star Wars. Well, and especially whenever you consider the scale yeah. of like a Mission Impossible movie versus like a Knives Out, they're yeah. in a house the whole time. Yeah, it's just but don't no, get me wrong. It's no contest. Do not get me wrong. I love Knives Out, oh. and I'm so excited <laughs> yeah. for Glass Onion. But those those aren't action movies. Yeah, Come I on. hear you. I hear Come you. On. I hear. I'm just throwing things at the wall, baby. I'm about to find a new co-host. <laughs> I'm just throwing things at the wall, baby. I want to yeah, consider it all. Uh, no, the Craig movies, man. Ugh, I don't know how. I don't know how to even begin comparing Mission Impossible and the Daniel Craig films. Uh, uh, the Daniel Craig mission. Double uh, O Seven. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so let's let's maybe we start by saying, like, okay, Tom Cruise, Daniel Craig, both two very good leading men. Mm-hmm. Um, both, I mean, Tom Cruise does more of his stunts and yeah. things like that. But Maybe that, that shouldn't be considered. Craig is like sitting out like, no, 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 he's not. He's not. I don't think that's really like a considering factor. It's just cool to always have that in the back yeah. of your head. I think it matters like, though, because when you have, let me preface it like this, um, stunt actors are very important and we need them. And I'm, I'm not arguing that like the leading men need to take away those jobs. No, no, no. But no. in some shots, it really helps the action flow when the editor and the camera isn't constantly cutting away to cover the fact yeah. that it's not actually the actor. I, so having them in, in certain, just in a little bit of increased amount to help the actual framing, the action, the cutting, yes. the editing really makes a difference. I, I agree with that fully. And I also think that there is, whether we want to admit it or not, a psychological element to yep. it of when you're watching the movie and it has been like marketed as like, well, you know, they do their own stunts or they do a large number of their own yep. stunts. You're, you're watching the movie like almost with a little more yeah, like suspense, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Where it's like you know that they were kind of doing those things, and um, I I think that it just adds something to it, uh, and it's almost not even uh, 
like it doesn't take me out of the movie necessarily but it just like i'm i'm thinking about it and it kind of adds a suspense to me if i if i really uh i don't know i don't know i think that's kind of a weird thing because you could think okay like i'm constantly thinking about him doing his own stunts so i'm thinking about how he's not in the world Mm-hmm. but that's not really it. it you know what I mean? Yeah, do, do you understand what I'm trying to say it, where it's like, it doesn't take um, you out of the movie, but it, it's almost like two things are existing at once in your head, right. which is like in the context of the story, this is really cool, but also like that's actually happening. So it's doubly cool. You right. Know? Well, like when Tom Cruise is riding his motorcycle against traffic in uh fallout. Yeah. It's like, that is a really cool. I hope he gets away. Yeah. But also I'm thinking he really did like yeah. that was like That's very he really very much that. really did that. Like Yeah. Um <laughs> so let me let me add this to the discussion. And this is really uh the genesis of why I even wanted to talk about this. When I think about action franchises like Mission Impossible and John Wick and even the Craig Bonds, um and I ask myself, why am I more drawn to those than the Marvel movies? Because I'm not like a comics hater. I'm not a superhero hater. I have comic books. I have plenty of comic books. I love superheroes. I maybe don't love them as much as I did, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But like, I show up to every Marvel movie. I show up to every DC movie. Yeah. Well, I missed Black Adam. Oh, well, sorry, Rock. Um, You know what I mean? But like, I go in hoping it's going to wow me. But I've noticed for me personally, I haven't given like a Marvel movie more than three and a half stars since like maybe Endgame. Yeah. And I, I'm asking myself, why am I not as enamored with them now? Is it me? Is it them? I think it's a bit of both. But I, And then I look at movies like Mission Impossible and John Wick, and like every single time a new one comes out, like I am a little fangirl. And, I, and here's what it is. I realized it in the John Wick trailer. Okay. Marvel, every movie, tries to up the ante by adding new characters, new comic references, and like building the world and expanding the world more Mm. but in terms of filmmaking Mm. the movies never expand i hear you in mission impossible and john wick every single movie the actual filmmaking is expanded yeah the ante is upped yeah and i'm watching john wick and i'm like if you look at john wick even just three and compare it to one like the filmmaking quality is drastically different and they're doing new things and so it's like the first one was a little bit more down to earth gritty um, and then you get to the third one. And it's like, like the world they built, like within the context of the story is greater, but like also like in the context of the actual frame is bigger. Like it feels like the, a graphic novel. The almost. sets yeah. are bigger. There's more colors. The, yeah. the framing of the camera is more inventive. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, visually the movies get more different and better. And that's true for mission impossible. I mean, Christopher McQuarrie talks about every movie he makes in the mission impossible franchise. He's constantly asking myself, how can I film this in a way that gives the impression that it's a different director making it? Yeah. Uh, And movies as a visual medium, that's so important. So what would you say to the naysayers about John Wick who say, like, the storyline is stupid. It's unbelievable. Okay. It's and I have an answer to this. The but John Wick, what would you say? The John Wick storytelling and mythology is is just as quote unquote stupid as anything going on in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, they're all just like they're but all far-fetched. People might argue that that is a fictional world, whereas this is that would be based in like our world. 
What Marvel's based? No, 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 no. John Wick would be based on like our world where that's like Marvel's a fictional world. I mean, you know, the story logic of John Wick again is just as similar as the story logic in Marvel. Here's what my argument would be. I think the genius of John Wick is that when you start watching it, you no longer care about any of that. Yeah. Because they have done such a good job pulling you into the world. They don't, you don't care why he's doing it anymore. No. You just are like, he's completely justified. I want to see him like do what he does best. Well, that's. And, and I want to see like how this action unfolds and I want to be wowed by how they're able to pull off these shots and this choreography. And like that, like, I think the genius of John Wick is that you don't even, well, like in the fourth one, I don't even really think about what's going on in the story as much anymore. I'm just like, exactly. So like engrossed in the world. I'm like with him on whatever he's doing. I think ultimately that's what I'm saying is mission impossible. John Wick, their priority is, um, telling a story as a visual medium. Yeah. And Marvel, I feel like it's stuck in this, like they're not fully taking advantage of the fact that they're making movies in a visual medium. Like they're telling stories in a visual medium. Sure. And they put all the visuals on the back burner because they're prioritizing like, um, in universe connections, cameos, uh, world building, which is all great. Do not get me wrong. It's all great, but I don't think it should be the top priority. And when you get to the point that Marvel has, where they're at like, I don't know, like 20 movies maybe? Like at some point. Oh, I think it's more. It's I think it's way more yeah, than that. At some point you're like, can we try something a little different visually? Because yeah. um, the stories are starting to recycle themselves and that's going to happen. You know, like I'm watching Black Panther 2 and I'm like, you know, like they did all, they did these certain things different and new, but like, yeah, ultimately the, but the reason the why it's the same, the reason why you care about that in the Marvel movies is because they aren't as visually compelling. They're not doing anything. Whenever you see John wick whoop up on a gang, like on a, yeah. on some gangsters for four movies in a row, you don't care as much that the story is kind of repeating because exactly. it's visually compelling. They're telling a story visually yeah. and They're that not, draws you in. Yeah, John Wick isn't really doing anything storytelling wise different from movie to movie. Like, yeah, they expand their like universe mythology. Yeah. yeah. But like the fighting gets more inventive. The fighting gets uh, better. Like, and so that brings me back where it's like, okay, I know when I go into a John Wick movie, yeah, it's going to be John Wick is on the run from all the other assassins. We just want to see Baba Yaga be Baba Yaga. Which, you know what if I'm they saying? were filming it exactly the same way as they did John Wick 1, yeah, of course I'd be bored. But the fact that I know, like, I know going in, there's going to be a new style to the fighting. The action's going to be filmed uh, yeah. differently and more inventively. And that brings me back. And that's the same with Mission Impossible is... Like, what crazy stunt piece are they going to center this movie around that I've never seen before? Yeah, exactly with Mission Impossible. And and we keep saying to each other after every Mission Impossible movie, how are they going to up the ante for the next one? How will they take it even further? Mm-hmm. And that's what, like, really keeps drawing us in, too, is because we know that they're going to, like, take it to another level with the actual uh, production, like the actual, yeah. like... Uh, how the film is made, the stunts, the camera work, like they're going to take it to another level that like we didn't even consider, which exactly. is like what keeps pulling us in. I still, I think, um, I, I think I am moved the most 
personally by some of the storylines in 007. I yeah. care about some of those characters. Yeah, they go more a little bit for drama than right. There you know. is an element of it that it is it is an action movie, but I do care about those characters in a way that like pulls on me. So it makes it very hard to choose between those Daniel Craig 007 movies yeah. and well, Mission Impossible. Because don't get me wrong, I care about the Mission Impossible characters a lot too. If if something yeah. happened to Simon Pegg. Oh, yeah. I would be destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I was really moved at the end of a uh, um, Fallout. Yeah. Where you see that, like, kind of conclusion to the storyline with his wife. Yeah. Like, I was really moved by that. The fact that, like, um, they couldn't be together because he was constantly saving the world. But at the end of the day, he saved the world in Fallout because he still cared for her. And though mm. he can't be with her the way he used to be, like, the reason Tom Cruise, uh, Ethan Hunt, keeps putting himself out there is because he cares so deeply about her and a few other people and i feel like the point of that movie was um to to care about the world deeply you have to care about one person deeply and i yeah and i think that the the beautiful thing about the mission impossible movies is you see ethan hunt it would be very easy for ethan hunt to kind of be operating in a way of like yeah i'm like awesome i saved the world and like yeah. i do all these things and like the reason i do it is for the glory baby yeah but it's it, like it would be very easy for it to go that direction but it's very obvious that he does it for his friends yeah he, like he's saving like, being rames or, he, he, or not being rames uh is it being yeah rames? yeah being rames the and, only reason he's doing any of this is for his friends is for the yeah. people that he loves and so really like within all of the action you strip all that yeah. away it is just a human story which i think is what makes it really compelling it's just humans caring yeah. for other humans and that's yeah. always gonna hit yeah because you know? the world is so big not only literally but as a concept and the only way to care about it deeply is to personalize it yeah and i feel like uh uh not ghost protocol but i mean that one's great too but fallout really dr dr like added that extra element of like let's pull the curtain back and show ethan's motivation and it's like oh he really does care about these people and that's why he's a lunatic putting his life on the line <laughs> yeah it's because he actually cares about these people and i thought well, that was very moving well and i think it's i th i think it's easy to say too why would he like take the risks that he takes like yeah. why would he like put his life on the line so frequently and if you think about it it's because he doesn't want to live in a world without yeah. the people that he's trying to save exactly he's not interested in saving himself if if he sacrifices his friends or if uh, his ex-wife dies in the process, like he doesn't want to live in that world. And so he's totally fine putting his life on the line for them because if he dies in the process, he would rather be dead than nothing about this, <laughs> than live without his, his friends, which is think kind of this. a beautiful, how thing. much worse would the world be? I'm talking like it's real. <laughs> how much worse would the world be if Ethan Hunt had a bad breakup with his wife? Yeah. If he had an ex-wife who he hated, would he be like, would he be getting that like invitation to save the world? He'd be like, eh. Ugh. I guess. I'm going to drag my feet on this uh -oh. one. <laughs> Nuclear bomb heading towards New York. Oh, that's where my ex wife lives. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> your mission if you choose to accept it. No, I'm good. <laughs> I am actually good. Close yeah. the laptop. So it's actually good that Ethan Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Cares about good, his ex wife. It's a good relationship. Oh, I mean, the only reason they're exes is because of. But also, if you're in a relationship with Ethan Hunt and you like, do you feel the pressure of like, well, I can't like 
I can't like ruin him mentally because is, is this going to unmotivate him to save the world? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can know. you imagine being the person who has to break up with Ethan Hunt and like in the back of your head, knowing like if this puts him in a bad enough mood, he may not save the world. That's too much pressure. I would just stay in an unhealthy think, relationship with him. I think Ethan Hunt is too mentally strong for something yeah, like that. True. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know what I forget about all the time is how good Mission Impossible 3 is. So here's the thing. I and did 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 it. Let me fix. Yeah, let me fix yeah, what yeah, I said. Yeah, yeah, let yeah. me fix it. <laughs> let me fix it. It's not the best Mission Impossible movie, mm-hmm. but it has the best villain. Oh yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, Philly, Phil. Come on, Philly, Phil. Philly, Phil. Philip, Philip Seymour, Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah, he is the you best can't beat that. Mission Impossible villain, man. The best. Uh, no, I like that movie and. One of the best running scenes, I would say, that's true. in all of the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, and that's saying something because there's lots of action. My only, scenes. my only thing to Mission Impossible Three, which is I love it for all the reasons you just said, but going back to my, you know, visual point, it probably is the least interesting movie in the franchise visually. Sure, but I mean that's not fair because that was J.J. Abrams. Except for that scene on the bridge, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, but that was J.J. Abrams's uh, first. Um, motion picture, I believe, um, because he had directed TV. I think that was his first. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of not I fair to that. compare him to like Brian De Palma. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's not in like you know Christopher McQuarrie and Brad Bird coming in later. Like those guys were more seasoned than JJ was. Yeah, yeah. When he made it, but anytime I rewatch it, I'm like, man, I really love the story. I love the performances. I love a lot of the concepts in this movie, but it feels and other people have made this point. I'm not original. It feels like it's shot like a TV show. Sure. Yeah. And that's the only thing that holds Mission Impossible 3 back for and me. And as a whole, I'm not sure that it feels that way from start to finish. I mm-hmm. think there are parts of it. Yeah, that parts of it. Way. Yeah. Because uh, there are some great, there are some really great scenes in there. There's some great moments in that movie. Yeah. But, oh, and just real quick, I want to add, because we talked about the visual component of Mission Impossible and John Wick. I think the Craig movies, Daniel Craig Bond movies fit into that because... Every single director of those movies um, has obviously tried to like bring a distinct visual style. Yeah. And um, Kerry Fukunaga and um, uh, the director of uh, Skyfall. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? He did 1917. Oh, oh, Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes. Like, obviously, I mean, he had Richard uh, Deacons as a <laughs> cinematographer. They were obviously trying to man, oh, man. do something visually that, yeah. and that's the whole point I'm, I'm even talking about. This is, I just am glad there are still action franchises that put the visual storing aspect, visual storytelling aspect first and foremost. Yeah. Whereas there are so many that get caught up in the, which famous actors can we squeeze into this franchise? And yeah how much world building can we do? And they rely on that more than say like, Hey, let's go back to the origin of the medium Buster Keaton. Um, let's just put some performers in the frame and let them do something with their physicality that will wow people. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, and for that, I, I think that what we're saying is mission impossible is edging out 007 just by a little bit in my opinion on pure action yeah mission impossible just barely edges out 007 007 is very close to my heart i would put that 
Now, I would I would probably yeah. put like as my personal favorites for franchise. I would probably put like Mission Impossible, Daniel Craig 007, John Wick. See, I would put John Wick above, and just in terms of action, I would put John Wick above. In terms of pure action, maybe, but double. I, I I do believe John. The Wick, 007 is just too close to my heart. I I believe in just terms of action, and we're gonna keep saying that. Yeah, ad yeah. Nauseum. Pure action. In terms of just pure action. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I really do think John Wick is nipping at the heels of Mission Impossible. I think it's close. And people aren't talking about it enough that like what Keanu yeah. and uh and and the team behind John Wick are doing, they are very close to Mission Impossible. They are. I mean in it's, terms of the set pieces they do, they're unbelievable. The way the they really is, are is filmed I mean, and Yeah. All this this was all just a big trailer for John Wick Four, which yeah. I can't wait for. <laughs> Go see John Wick Four. Is that coming theaters. out this year or is that early next year? Uh I'm actually not sure. Let me let me uh vamp while I give it a Google. Go see John Wick Four <laughs> on the date that it comes out in theaters at your local theater location. Uh March March twenty twenty three. Next year. Darn. Go see it, March twenty twenty three. Professional appreciation is brought to you by John Wick. Genuinely, I I really believe like Keanu Reeves. It also helps that he seems to be like one of the greatest humans. Yeah. So it just helps whenever it's like, man, eh, he seems like a nice guy. I will say I'll that. Go watch him. That is what John Wick has over Mission Impossible. Whereas stuff. like Keanu Reeves, a great human being. Tom Cruise. We only want to talk about him as an action star. Everything else, let's just let's just not talk. Everybody about says it. he's nice, but. I feel like there's got to be some weird stuff going on. Yeah. He, <laughs> I mean, I, do, I, I like talking about the, the, uh, the idea that he's like go dressing up in disguises and yeah. going to like sit in movie theaters and watch movies. And then he watches like one movie a day, which I don't know how someone that busy watches one movie a day. I don't know. He's in, but he, apparently I just think he every, watches one movie in a every day. aspect of his life. He's like insane. I really like, um, Maybe it's just like one of those personalities that just overdoes everything that they're in love with. Like yeah. they just like overdo it. But um, I just really like yeah, hearing people in the film industry. Like you've heard Quentin Tarantino, you've heard Tom Cruise talk about just like their love for cinema mm -hmm. where it's like, I just want to watch a movie. And I, I relate to that and I want to go see their movies because it makes me feel safe knowing that like they love, they just pure, they just love cinema yeah. and so it's like whenever you just love it that much it's almost like how could you really mess it up because you respect it so much so it's like i uh i just always get excited about going to see movies of people that are making them that i just know just have a pure love for that stuff because that's how i feel and that's why we do this is we just love cinema exactly man yeah even if our, even if Anna and Carly don't watch, or yeah. listen, or care, <laughs> but if uh, Princess Diaries three ever comes out, we know Anna and Carly oh, will yeah. be all about cinema. Then <laughs> that's true. Okay, we have to say it now. If Princess Diaries, because there's some rumors. Yeah. If Princess Diaries three does come out, we have to get them to record an episode with us. Oh yeah, like that 100%. would be that's an easy get. I feel Heck, like we could we could just get out of the way and let them talk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we just set it up, let him go for an hour. Yeah. I'm, I'm for Princess Diaries 3. I'm cool with it. Greatest action franchise, Princess Diaries. Princess Diaries. Hands down. Princess Diaries, dude, is great, man. That was like one of those, it, it's a classic makeover movie. 
for all of the like wrong reasons, obviously mm -hmm. that like we look at make like there was a there was a string of movies in the '90s that was like, oh, she wears glasses, ugh. Yeah, and then the they take the glasses off, and it's so subtly saying like, isn't it so much better to be like conventionally attractive? Get contacts, like it's, it's like, like it's literally saying like, hey, if you just fit society's notion of what attractiveness is, like you'll become a literal a princess. princess. Yeah. <laughs> No. Hey, take like, those glasses off and you'll finally get the man, you know? Like, yeah. So it's how like messed up was that? for all the wrong reasons, that movie like falls into those cat yeah. that category of like makeover films where it's like they get pretty and get everything they want and then realize everything they want wasn't actually what they wanted and then they had Curly everything hair, they wanted the whole time. Yeah. You know, that that classic kind of like yeah. three act structure where it's like, all I want is this. Then they get it and they're like this is cool for about two seconds. And they're like, actually, I just want to go back and sit at home with my cat yeah. and hang out with my mom and my weird firehouse house. Yeah. Uh, you remember that in princess diaries? She slides down the fire pole. Oh, yeah. I was like, like, why are you sad? Okay. That's your another, life is amazing. That's another aspect to like nineties and early 2000s. Oh, movies. You're, you're so right. It's like every single house, it doesn't matter. Like the social status of whatever character yeah. like it doesn't matter if they're rich middle class whatever yeah like their houses were always insanely cool it's almost like they knew we couldn't go there as an audience yeah like you can't you can't have everything else against you and live in a horrible place that dude like <laughs> i don't care how long this episode's getting but it drives me nuts that like nowadays like if it's an apartment if it's a house whatever they like nowadays movies and TV shows try and portray it as realistically as possible. No, <laughs> I want to watch a show, movie, whatever, where the apartment, m the house, whatever is makes, an abandoned fire station. Makes no sense in terms of like the financial reality of that character. Like, yeah. I just want it to look insanely cool. Like, yeah, let's think for a moment in Princess Diaries one. They her mom is like, what, an artist? Like Maybe. in San Francisco, I think. And they live in this obnoxiously large abandoned firehouse yeah. in the middle of San Francisco. Do you have any idea the financial <laughs> yeah, implications yeah. of having that much square footage in San Francisco? They would be crippled. Yeah. They, 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 what does she have like an unknown that's, trust that's even, fund or That's something? even more sad. Yeah. yeah. And if she has it, well, I guess princess. Oh, that's true. <laughs> but did they really have access to that yet? No. I mean, probably. Maybe. The know. mom... But Princess Diaries is not the only example of this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like how many shows from that time where it's yeah. just like they're all waiters and they live there? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Like New Girl. I mean, that's even low key pisses me off. I mean, they do yeah. talk about the money though in the yeah. in the show. But like, it's not even. It's just not like, the same thing. It's not like yeah. Nowadays there are examples of like the space itself. It's cool, but like back then there were just like these little little flourishes that made no sense. Like there's just like a giant um like uh arcade machine like yeah. like it's just like in a normal house or normal apartment it's like oh yeah we just happen to have like this like retro arcade machine like it doesn't matter how much it costs or there's a fireman's pole or like we I have like we have like a hot tub like in an apartment yeah i think the last movie that i can remember like the last surviving like ridiculous house situation Mm -hmm. of the main character that made no sense but nobody mentioned i think was uh suburbia okay was that is that the right movie is that uh, wait no with, that's with shia labeouf shia yeah where he's is, like is that watching called suburbia i think so no i don't know if that's called suburbia 
What is that movie called? What is that movie called? No, but anyway, you look it up. No, but anyway, he lives in this house and his room is like unbelievably huge. And he just orders literally whatever he wants. Disturbia. Disturbia. Sorry. Disturbia. He orders literally just whatever he wants online. All these yeah. gadgets and all these cameras and tools well, and things thing. like it's that. Like characters back then had all these insane gadgets. They had just unlimited funds whenever it yeah. came to whatever they were into. And as a kid, that is just ridiculous standards. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're you know just what like, else? wow, I wish I could just like make my own spy equipment. And you just know what else always popped up all the time in like 90s, early 2000 movies and houses? What? was like those waiter elevators that like... Yeah, like a dumb waiter. Like a dumb waiter that yeah. like raised the food. Every single house had one of those. Every kid was Why getting into that? that thing. I don't know. I don't know. And I just remember as a kid watching it, like, I want a dumb waiter. Like, I want to be able to like secretly like... Who doesn't, man? Yeah. Who doesn't? No, there was there. Yeah. I have never realized I've never like vocalized that, but there was always ridiculous living situations in all of those movies. And I miss it. Yeah. And I I genuinely do think it's because they were like for the first act of the movie and a lot of those. Well, perfect example. Another one. Ten things I hate about you Mm -hmm. for the first half of the movie. They're like kind of trashing the main character like <laughs> you're the worst like you're unpopular we hate yeah. you and then if they went to like their horrible 500 square foot home mm-hmm. and like we're just like sharing a bed with their sibling it would yeah. just be, it'd be too sad well another thing is like i liked in older <laughs> so they movies, always put them in these ridiculous houses like nowadays if they want to communicate that like a character has like money or has access to like special technology it's like always something that exists but like remember back in like what was it was it rocky four where paulie just had like that robot that like waiter robot <laughs> But, like, that doesn't exist in real life. And I just, I miss the fact that, like, characters used to have technology that when you're watching it as a kid go, like, you're almost tricked into believing that it's real. Like, man, I want a robot waiter. And then you realize, no, that doesn't exist. It's not real. It's not practical. And nowadays, like, they don't do that. Like, I just wish, like, characters that, like, inexplicably (laughs) had technology that doesn't exist yet and just made you, like create like had your imagination going like i missed that yeah yeah i think um you know i think i think we've gone to a better place now but yeah. that was a fun time that, yeah we <laughs> that, we really just made like a whole second episode yeah. Yeah. no i think i think we could go for much longer on this yeah. but um i i think that we've i think that it was good that cinema let go of that that was fun mm, no i don't no I think, so. I think we need to bring it back <laughs> I'm gonna be. Uh, it would be, be fun to see somebody like dude, a, a movie do that. Again, yeah, make cinema great again. Oh my baby. gosh! Yeah, it would be fun to see somebody realize that and like just put that little detail yeah. in at some point in the yeah. future. Maybe Princess Diaries three. Yeah, maybe. You heard it here first, folks. You can take that idea, Princess Diaries three. Yeah. After you pay us for it. Well, anyway, this has been our discussion on the best modern action <laughs> franchise. Uh, so. Yeah, hopefully uh, at the end of the year, next year, we see a little bit more of what we've been talking about in action movies. Uh, yeah. Christopher McQuarrie, if you are listening, uh, we love what you're doing. Please come on our, yeah, on our show. On. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> let us know what your favorite modern action movie franchise is. Did we forget one? Did we forget yeah. something? Let us know. Uh, Patreon.com slash why it's great. Uh, leave us a review. I'm trying to hit all the rate, rate and review. Yeah. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Why it's great. Yeah. Yeah. We got some stuff on there. Uh, mm-hmm. 
sadly, like no one really turned out for our White Lotus discussion. So I'm hoping maybe as the season progresses, people go back and watch that. Just wait, guys. If if you're a White Lotus fan, uh, listen and watch our White Lotus discussion. I thought it was pretty good. Third episode just dropped. I have thoughts. Yeah. But I'm not going to share them right now. So maybe we'll do a recap when it's finished. Yeah. And uh, Evan, you need to watch Andor. It's so stinking good. I know. I've heard that it's amazing. So hopefully I can get an Andor video out here pretty soon. But I think that is it for us. All right. And uh, we'll see you hopefully again next week. Maybe we can stay on schedule. Again next week. Bye. Bye.